All right, hold on. <clears throat> Sorry, Andrew was... <laughs> he was drinking water in an odd manner in front of me. Well, no, I was like waving you on. I thought you were waiting for me to finish. <laughs> I was like, continue. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Todd Mack here with Joseph Dorowski, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Daniel Rudy Rudiger in the film Rudy. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I hope that I don't get emotional too early. <laughs> oh. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Rudy is played by Sean Astin. You may recognize him as Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings or Mikey Walsh from The Goonies. Uh, the film was directed by David Anspaugh and released in 1993. You know who else you might recognize from this cast? John Favreau. Yes, the director of Iron Man is in this. Yes, as Rudy's uh, friend at at uh, Holy Trinity. Is that D Bob? Yeah, D Bob. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, Rudy. All right, go well, ahead. Rudy sits at. 84% on RottenTomatoes.com. I do not know what is wrong with some people in this world. I actually thought of a couple of things uh, as I was watching it last night, but continue. That, that, that kind of rub you the wrong way? Um, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not an animal. <laughs> but I, I think we can accept it's a good movie. It's not a perfect movie, but who has a problem with it? I would, I would just say that it has some... Um, uh, cliche moments, should we say? There, there's a few. There's a, well, you think that's cliche moments because of this no, movie? No, let's get it out now. Uh, I can never watch the moment at the football game. Oh, well, spoilers. Okay, at the spoilers, remember, remind me to talk about the moment okay. I can never watch without laughing. Okay. Go ahead. And not in the right way. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, and let's see, back to the trivia. Of course, this is based on a true story, and so there are some liberties taken with the actual story. So for the purposes of of good drama, and for example, Coach Devine, uh, he was not happy. The real Coach Devine, uh, with how he's portrayed in the film, uh, because he announced that Rudy would dress for the final game several practices before um, the game was going to be played. And he, uh, there's a quote from when he was on a Dan Patrick radio show, I think he said, where they asked him if he could kind of be the final obstacle for Rudy to overcome. And he's like, yeah, sure, but he didn't read the script. And then when he saw how it was in the film, he was oh. like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I would Felt also like he was, uh, just a maybe a little unfairly portrayed. Another piece of trivia: Rudy actually visited our hometown. Did you know this? I kind of remember that he gave a talk at a high he school g- at the junior high. I think it was at the junior high. Junior high. And uh, he's my brother. Heard him. I mean, he was there. Yeah. I, I remember him telling me, "I saw Rudy, t- the real Rudy, today." And I was like, "I want to be a junior high." <laughs> <laughs> They said no one ever except for Todd at this moment. <laughs> yeah, really. And uh, this has nothing to do with that. But they also the the rain. Uh, Kim, what's his name? Kim Peak, the Rain Man. He was also yeah. at the junior high. I was there for that one. I was not. I asked him a question. What? Yeah, you could go up and ask questions. No, that had to be a fabricated memory because you and I were in junior high at the exact same time. Well, Todd, maybe this was one of the days you played hooky. Or as they say in our regionalism, you sluffs, which is going to confuse some of our, our podcast listeners because I found out said, that is a regionalism. Also said no one ever about me. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I, don't, I, I thought for sure. Uh, how did I miss it? I asked him a question and he did not know the answer. Really? 
Yeah. What did you ask him? You, you stumped the Rain Man? <laughs> I, st- I stumped the Rain Man. <laughs> uh, it was something about a Secretary of State for an old President of the United States. Wow. Like, I said, who was the Secretary of State for so-and-so? Did you know yeah. the answer? I did, because I would looked it up beforehand. And his brother was there, and he said, he's, he, and I, he's like, do you know the answer? And I told him the answer. He said, he will know that now. He's like, he didn't know it then, but he will know that if anyone asks him that in the future, he'll know it. <laughs> Wow. Is is this the first based on a real story uh protagonist for the podcast? Well, if you're well. not if you're not counting the Hobbit, then yeah. <laughs> uh just to show how alike Todd and I are, I was seconds away from the very same joke. <laughs> so uh Joseph, when was the first time you saw Rudy? I have a memory of seeing commercials for this and running and telling my dad that there was going to be a movie about Notre Dame football uh, because my dad is a rather large Notre Dame football fan. And this movie came out in 1993, so I would have been 11 when that happened. And I don't think I saw it in theater, but I'm guessing a video of it entered my household fairly soon after the video release, and so I saw it then. We definitely had a VHS. Yeah. And you, Todd? I did not see it in theaters. I imagine that the first time I saw it would have been sometime shortly after it came out on video, uh, but man, I watched it a lot of times in junior high and high school. This was a good uh, inspirational one for sporting activities. Yes. <laughs> of which we participated. Uh, lots of Friday night, the Friday night before a uh, cross-country meet, uh, Rudy was definitely a, a go-to. Sometimes Rocky 4. <laughs> Only Rocky 4, ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. We will, we will talk about Rocky someday, and it is not Only Rocky 4. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky's another one. Not the Rocky's another one. It seems like we need to get started on because there's there's a lot of material. There. Well, and now there's Creed coming out. Really? Yeah, there's a Apollo, a movie about Apollo Creed's son that Rocky coaches in boxing. Oh gosh! <laughs> do not, do not respond that way to another Rocky film. <laughs> I actually have not seen the last maybe Rocky Balboa. I think I stopped after four. In which Rocky fights uh, an old Sylvester Stallone as Rocky fights the current heavyweight champion. You haven't seen that one? No, I think that I re- I really do think that I stopped after four. Like, how could you top it? <laughs> did you know? Okay, rabbit hole. I'm sorry, listeners, but did you know that apparently uh, in Russia, Rocky Four is referred to as warnography. <laughs> Meaning the propaganda was so offensive in Cold War terms that it was like pornography. We had a we had a Russian exchange student that lived with us for a while, and um, we showed Rocky IV to her, and she did not enjoy it nearly as much as we did. <laughs> I assume I, I, I was read very that surprised by that. <laughs> I, I read the fact about pornography somewhere, uh, and I assume it has a different Russian word that's just borrowing the. <laughs> the the suffix of of uh, pornography in Russian to to combine those and they translated it for us because I doubt they really call it pornography in English. Wow, know, with that word. this was quite the rabbit hole when we're talking about Rudy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, Todd, can you give us a quick spoiler free synopsis for any listeners who are unfamiliar with this film? Yeah, Rudy is a story of this uh, young man. His name is Rudy Rudiger, and he grows up a huge, huge, huge uh, Notre Dame fan. He's small. He doesn't have any real athletic ability. He's pretty good in high school. He plays football. You get, you're getting close to spoiler territory no, on some of this. <laughs> and this is a story. Well, just when you said it, he's small, I thought, 
Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> this is a story of how that Rudy chases his dream to play football for the University of Notre Dame. Punto. How's that? Great. Well done, Todd. Uh, so if that sounds interesting, this is available on Netflix, and it is... Is a- it available on Netflix? It is. It is, because... <laughs> right now it is? Yes. Okay. It was last very- night at uh, midnight. <laughs> it was this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I wanted it to be on Netflix, it wasn't, so I bought it on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, good economics there, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, might as well have it on Blu-ray anyway. Fair enough. Uh, that sounds good. This is on Netflix, and it is available for purchase uh, for probably not too much on various uh, disc forms. So uh, we will have some links for that if you'd like to make that purchase uh, in the show notes. And from here on out, though, we're going to need to go into a more spoiler discussion. So abort now if you want to preserve the purity of your first viewing of Rudy. You only ever get once. You only get ever. Was it was it Dickens who said the great? Uh... Oh, who was? We're no, getting no. Mar- Martin Chuzzlewit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was uh, Fernando Pessoa, this uh, great Portuguese poet. He said. One of the great tragedies of my life is that I will never get to read the Pickwick Papers for the first time ever again. Yeah. Well, first of all, it would have been a touch arrogant for Dickens to have said that. Yes. <laughs> Which is why it was Pessoa who said it about, uh, about Dickens' work. Yeah. Second, <laughs> of all, <laughs> second of all, I often confuse Dickens with Portuguese poets. <laughs> Anyway, uh, spoiler uh, synopsis. We begin with young Rudy establishing his Notre Dame fandom bona fides as he is clearly obsessed with the program. We jump ahead to his last year in high school where it is clear he is a below average student but a hardworking football player. Because of his smaller size and lack of natural talent, though, he has no chance to go on to college to play football. Rudy ends up working in the same steel, steel mill as his father and his older brothers, though he's saving money for college tuition because he still dreams of enrolling and walking on to the football team at Notre Dame. His best friend dies in an accident at the factory, and Rudy leaves to try and enroll at Notre Dame, instead of ending up, uh, but he instead ends up at a nearby community college to try and get better grades to be able to then transfer to Notre Dame. Rudy meets a tutor who helps him with his grades and a groundskeeper who lets Rudy work on the fields at Notre Dame and routinely says sage things. In his final semester of eligibility to transfer, Rudy is accepted to Notre Dame, where he does join the team as a walk-on, which means he's just part of the practice squad. He won't actually play in any games. After playing hard in practices, his coach promises to let Rudy play in a game the next year, but in the offseason, that coach leaves for the NFL. In Rudy's senior year, the new coach has no plans to let Rudy play in a game until the starters all walk into his office and drop their jerseys onto the coach's desk, asking him to let Rudy dress in their places. Coach lets Rudy dress for the game, but does not plan to let him on the field for a play, which is the only way he'll be recorded in the record books as a Notre Dame football player. Near the end of the game, the crowd starts to chant, Rudy, Rudy, uh, so that he'll get the chance to come in and play. In the final game of his career, with his parents in the stands, Rudy does get the chance to play for the last two plays, where he records a sack and is then carried off the field on his teammates' shoulders. Is it a sack, or is he just tackle a guy behind the line of scrimmage? Uh, uh, is there a pitch? I think it's a sack. I think it's a sack. Okay. All right. It was a sack. All of a sudden, I was doubting because I'll be honest, I was streaming it on Netflix on my phone as I did dishes this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so I might have missed the nuances of that football play. You got the most careful viewing. And, and of course, doesn't it say no player since then has been since carried 1976, off? Since 1976. Has been carried off the Notre Dame field. Yes, has been carried off on teammates' shoulders, which I believe still stands to this day. Man, it makes you wonder what somebody would have to do. Or is that just sacrosanct now? Like, 
I mean, you can't. You, you could you could single handedly. I don't know. I think I think they yeah. might like pick you up and then they put you back down before they left the field because I never got it fully formed. But I feel like there's a Manti Teo joke in there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about him, but I wasn't going to say anything because you know. But uh, might- so so at what point? It seems like you've maybe done a little bit of research on this. At what point do would you say that this story diverges from reality? Um, the ooh, ooh, Todd, you've. I mean, did, you've, did the players? <laughs> do we know if the players actually had to go into the coach's office okay. and put their jerseys on the Definitely table? Definitely not. That did not Definitely happen. Definitely not. Yeah, the uh, people I in the it people is, in the stands uh, chanting "Rudy, Rudy, Rudy." I don't know. I believe there was an article in the student newspaper before the final game. That part is mentioned in the movie, and I think yes. that so people would have known to watch for it. But they did not actually. I think it was referenced that they did not chant because they didn't have to because. They, I think the newspaper article said he would be put in for the final play. <laughs> and uh, did he actually record a sack on that final play? Let me check the resources. Because I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. M- more than one tear has been shed over the sack. I personally find it most compelling when the other players are putting down their jerseys. That's that's my tough moment. No, for me, it's a slow, ca- slow clap in the stands. I thought the, for you it was the, the letter. Oh, when he gets accepted, yeah, I do well up then. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. that one's really... Like, props on the actor. All right, hold on. Uh, there is a YouTube video of the actual Rudy play. Really? Which we'll link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, we're going to take a moment. We'll come back in a moment. Let me watch this. So the final video, uh, or the video of the final plays, you can find on YouTube. We'll have that in the show notes. And it looks like Rudy is involved in a sack. Uh, it's not a solo sack. There are some other teammates there. Uh, but it does look like he, he gets a sack uh, on the field against Georgia Tech. Way to go. Um, but I've looked up a few other things. Uh, so uh, There's a website called Cold Hard Football Facts. And <laughs> they have a few of the uh, changes that were made to make the movie better. Are these, are these real cold? <laughs> um, Do we want to know these? Well, th- some of these are just interesting. So, you know, in the film, some of the tension comes from Rudy's older brothers who, especially his older brother Frank, who really doubts him and kind of makes fun of his dream to go to Notre Dame. In real life, uh, Rudy was the oldest son in his family. (laughs) (laughs) He he had two older sisters. And it sounds like uh, the family may have been pretty supportive. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Pete, the friend who dies in the movie, uh, it shows that Pete, you know, Pete and Rudy grew up together. In real life, they met while working together at the steel mill. Uh Um, But it is the death of pete in an accident that did happen and that is one of the reasons that rudy decided to leave and try and chase his dream interesting and i guess real life rudiger he spent time in the navy before he worked at the power plant or the steel mill uh and i guess on rudy's website that his official like the the real life rudy his website when he talks about his story he says that it was his lifelong dream to attend Notre Dame, and he did not even think about playing fast or football until he actually was accepted into the school. <laughs> <laughs> so, little change there. Little change there. That's a tough one. <laughs> Minor. Yeah. So, those are some of the main ones. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, other uh, one other interesting though. Ant Spa, uh, the director and the writer of Rudy, is, whose name last name was uh, Pizzo. 
they had previously made another feel-good sports film. Any guesses, Todd? What does Rudy, if you were going to guess, who else had written and directed a film that's like under Rudy? <laughs> or re- what other film? Yeah, you mean? what other film did those, those two make? Did those two make together that's a, a feel-good sports movie? Yeah. From the 80s or 90s? 80s. I'll give you the 80s as your hint. I'll give you a hint. The basketball hoop's the same height. Oh, Hoosiers. (laughs) I was going to say Mighty Ducks, but... (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, uh, just real quick, the the final scenes when he's on the football field and playing, they filmed that during halftime of an actual Notre Dame football game in 92. That's awesome. And they, they had the actual fans there chant rudy and everything cool all right so there's some trivia about the differences fantastic all right let's talk about this <laughs> so um what what do you think of rudy todd i really like i really really like rudy <laughs> um it's it's pretty i don't know to to say it's formulaic feels like uh unnecessary (laughs) like we know it's formulaic um yeah but it's also the guy's story you know yeah it's like this is the story of how i became whatever into oh that's so formulaic it's like no that's actually his story and despite some of these things you know the the tension with the brothers or the frustration with the coach or something the core of the story is is a true story um, he, he worked really hard to achieve his goal. He worked he really hard to achieve his goal, and and he got it, and and well done. And the story is inspirational. Um, I think that the music in this film is beautiful, and it is one of my favorite film scores. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this most recent time that I watched this film, it made me think. When I was younger, I watched this film, and I would think, that's right. You have a dream, you go get it. And if your dumb family stands in your way and they tell you that you're crazy, then you just tell them to go fly a kite and you go after your dreams. (laughs) And now, I don't know, because I'm older and maybe I'm just just a crotchety old man now, but, you know, when he's he's talking to his dad and his dad says, chasing after a dream, that just causes you and everybody around you heartache and his dad's telling him the story of his dad who had chased after the dream to be a dairy farmer and lost all of his cows and then couldn't sell the land and and disappeared and ended up leaving his family and so it's not like it's not like there's no basis for his dad telling him you know at least be careful or think about this because Rudy has a lot going for him. He has a good job. He has a girlfriend. Uh, he has a lot Ooh, of money. They're ready to buy a house. They're ready to buy a house and get married. And um, so it just made I kind me... of had that. I had the same experience. Did where, you? Uh, well, sometimes I have this experience with works of fiction um, where I know because some event in my life has caused a paradigm shift. So I see the world differently or I have a different perspective. And I either rewatch something and I view it differently than I did before. Um, like the story of Peter Pan as a parent now, creepy story. As yeah. a child, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> totally. As a parent, that's a stranger crawling into your children's bedroom windows and kidnapping them. And yes. that's horrifying. Uh, but as a child, it's like, ooh, fairy dust, fly away and right. go to an island that has a really strange mix of uh, nationalities <laughs> on, <laughs> on that island. Um, 
or uh, there's right after the birth of my first daughter or my, my first child, my daughter, uh, I had a stack of comic books that I hadn't gotten to because life was busy. And after she was born, we actually, I mean, everyone says it's always busier, but it was actually a break in the semester. We had like a month and a half off from grad school. And so I was catching up on some readings and two issues in a row that I read from the stack dealt with newborn children in peril. (laughs) (laughs) And I know if I'd read them one week before my child was actually born, you know, before I'd held her, I would have had a different experience emotionally reading those stories than I did after. Um, and, and I think some of this is, has happened to Rudy where, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think we're still, you know, have dreams that we try and pursue and everything, but we also have children and we try and guide them with whatever small amount of wisdom we've accrued in our life. And so with that scene with the dad where Rudy kind of just ignores it, it's like, don't ignore him. He's, yeah, he's, he's offering dad. some sound advice. Uh, and you should at least take it into account. Not that you just listen to him because your dad, he's your dad, but you, I think you feel like Rudy just kind of views this as an obstacle instead of a worried parent that's offering the best advice he knows how to give. So this is a perfect segue to talk about a really great piece of feedback that we got from listener Jared, who is one of our best listeners and gives some of the most thoughtful feedback of, of any of our listeners. And it came after our discussion of weird television and uh, children's TV and movies, um, in which you and I laughed quite a bit about how absurd some of the stuff was that we enjoyed when we were kids or that some kids now enjoy. Um, and he said that there was something sort of sad for him in in our laughter uh, because it felt like like we were made, making light of something that had been so kind of wondrous and just innocent uh, for him as a kid. And that got me thinking about uh, the Polar Express and the the bell that rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when you grow older, then you just, you can't hear the bell anymore. And so there's this thing inside of me as I'm, as I'm watching Rudy and I'm thinking, Am I just totally jaded? Like, have I lost the ability to hear the bell? Because this story used to be only about the importance of following your dreams. And then it was a beautiful story. Uh, And now there's this part of me that's thinking, man, is it really wise for for him to do what he did? And, like, what did he gain in the end? I mean, he got his his education, which is by far the most important <laughs> the most important thing he inspired his siblings to do so right i was gonna say that one of the most important things to me is actually the the coda they put on at the end of the film is that I mean, he was essentially the first in his family to go to college and it says his younger siblings went to college following in his footsteps yeah so and there's I mean, that the thing yeah. the thing that, that always stood out to me was the sack i mean it was yeah. always it was all about getting on the field and and getting that sack and just running around like a like a crazy person how excited he was and I, I guess all of that is important because without it, he he doesn't become this successful, inspirational figure that goes around the country and talks at my junior high when apparently I'm not there. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's just it's like am I am I a worse person now than I was then because I think more critically about this work, or am I or am I just different? Like have I lost have is have I lost something sort of has irreparable damage been been made to me because now I'm a father and I'm older and I don't see the world with that just childlike innocence. I think. Help I me mean, out. You, I'm having a real crisis here. <laughs> can you still feel the wonder though? Like when the music swells and 
you you have those scenes of him. You know, I was having pulled. Those I was pulled under the covers last night because Betty goes, ah, "Can you turn that light off?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'll turn that light off." <laughs> See, so but I mean, can, can you still the feel covers, the, and the magic? And I'm crying my eyes out at the end. Yeah. Right, and so I don't. I think the ability to think critically about it and recognize maybe some of the flaws in this because Rudy is a bit obsessive in a way that might not be healthy <laughs> in. Uh, in in real, I guess you know, in the in the non-story, someone who's that obsessed with the singular goal that that might not be healthy, but we can still get swept up in it. And I still like I hear that music, the you know, the score starts to play, and I feel that. And it's the same with you know Star Wars. Like I can go watch Star Wars, and I can still get swept up into that magical world, even as now I might look at it with a more critical eye and you know think about the hero's journey and how Joseph Campbell's work influenced what George Lucas was doing. And I don't think that we've lost that ability. I think we were just adding different perspectives, but like with the, the children's shows, I mean, well, for one, I always thought <laughs> the return to us was creepy. Same with never ending story. Uh, but I think I can go, I can still see some of those and still appreciate the, the magic that exists within that kind of storytelling, even as someone who just through both life experiences and also like the, the nature of academic study looks at them with, with different eyes as well. It's interesting how, as you mature and you gain a more critical eye, some things become more delightful. And, and I think that there's children's children's work works for children that become that way for me, you know, like a roll doll or some of the Jim Henson stuff I think is still like pretty, pretty great. We need to talk about the Muppets sometime. I think the Cowboys of Moo Mesa, I think I probably don't have quite the appreciation for that as I did when I was a kid. Or... What about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think I've pro- it's probably waned. But I, I, actually, I haven't, I haven't really looked at Ninja Turtles with a critical eye. Got to go back eye. to the first one. I will say, when you have children, you can see it through their eyes. Because I've shown them some of the Ninja Turtles cartoons from our childhood, Todd. You yeah, know, not not whatever the oh, yeah. modern stuff is, <laughs> uh, and their excitement. Like I feel like vicariously what it really? was like to to be there. And I mean, I did the same thing when, <laughs> when I was I was watching Star Wars with my six year old, and I I timed it out, and I I worked studiously to avoid the spoiler of Darth Vader. Oh, uh-huh. you know, and seeing her when that moment happened, like I vicariously. Like, even though I don't even remember my first moment, it was like, there's this moment where something switched in her mind and she, she was understanding this story differently. Yeah. And I, I felt magic seeing that experience through her. Yeah. I think one thing with Rudy in particular, um, saying this as someone who more recently graduated college than either of you, uh, what are you saying? (laughs) Calling us old? I'm, I'm saying Rudy might be a young man's film. Because you still felt all the magic? I can see the magic disappearing as I've graduated and I've, <laughs> you know, gotten a full-time job. And, it, and you're wondering if you have any dreams left. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, Rudy is extremely powerful when you're in high school, when you're starting college, when you aren't sure well, yeah. what dreams you might be able to achieve. And you are hoping to achieve the highest ones that you have at the time. Do you think that it has to do with the specificity of it? So I'm thinking about like, uh, I don't know, Frodo has to go throw the ring into Mordor. Like, because that's not my dream, 
<laughs> I can see, I can just look at that and, and then map that onto whatever I'm doing and say, you know, whatever my job is right now, I'm like Frodo and I have to go throw the ring into Mordor. Um, I just I, thought of the papers <laughs> I have to grade that are sitting <laughs> on my desk as a ring to be thrown into a burning pit. <laughs> But well, like, I, but I think what, but what, so part of what you're saying to me is that when you're a young man or a young woman, uh, and you watch Rudy, you think I'm going to get into college. I'm going to get into the best college that I can think of, which was a real, to me, a real goal. I wanted to get in. I didn't want to just go to college. I wanted to go to the best college. And when I did, I felt like Rudy and, um, and I wanted to play sports, you know, and I wanted to excel at sports and, and and I felt like Rudy when I did, and I didn't do that in college. But <laughs> <laughs> but in high school you felt like Rudy. But in high well, school I felt like Rudy. I think, I don't I know think you're hitting. Well, you're hitting it. I was gonna say I don't know. That's, uh, there's the specificity of him going to college, but also this is a coming of age story. And uh, God, I don't want to make you feel old, but we are of age <laughs> in terms of coming of age. Uh, men, of, men of a certain age. <laughs> yes. Uh, so once you're, I mean, once you're past that stage, maybe the, I guess the specific aspects of what that character's journey, as far as the buildings Roman aspects are, can lose interest, even if other elements still remain. So I still think Harry Potter's magical, even though I don't relate to the going through the school, you know, and growing, going through adolescence the way I did when I was first reading it, I can still think it's awesome when Rudy gets accepted into Notre Dame, but I don't have the same personal attachment to trying to get into college. But there are still elements that you can attach. His passion for a goal, um, being inspirational to other people, to the point where they want him to achieve it. Not necessarily that they are even pursuing their own goals so much, but they are a force behind him reaching his. I think that's something that's still applicable in, uh, in any stage of life. You can have goals that you work towards and are passionate about and... There are people who will see that and will help propel you there. They will help maintain your momentum, especially when you feel uh, your ability to push yourself forward lagging. I think I, that's an element of Rudy that that rings true no matter what. Yeah, I get that, and I appreciate what you're saying. I'm just I'm just saying that, like me personally as a reader, it feels like because that because it doesn't it no longer maps as closely to my own trajectory as it used to. I feel like something's lost in a way that. Uh, a story that never, never could and never would map into my own trajectory uh, keeps some of that cachet. Right. Uh, that I feel like I felt like I don't know. As I was watching Rudy last night, I felt like something was lost. Well, I think- like I couldn't hear. Le- I mean, I, and I did get emotional at the end, as I always do. And when he gets accepted into college, and I mean, there are these moments where the music starts playing, and and he's you know. R- p- practicing or running running across the campus and i mean those are just i i don't think there will ever come a time when i don't get emotional at, at those moments uh but and i don't think it's because it's a true story because there are other true stories that have nothing to do with my life that still carry a lot of that kind of emotional weight for me mm-hmm. that i felt like was maybe lost last night as i was watching rudy I don't do you know. think have you gained nostalgia um, like, does this make you think back to in high school watching Rudy? It certainly, I certainly remember being in high school and watching Rudy and feeling, 
feeling that t- like tomorrow I have a race and I'm going to work as hard as Rudy worked or, you know, I want to run varsity cross country and I'm going to work as hard as Rudy worked to make that happen. And last night there was none of that for me. There was, no, there was nothing like I want to do X. And so I'm going to work as hard as Rudy did to make his dream happen, uh, to, to make this, to make this dream happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you never step into the same river twice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right that it's the, well, both the specificity of him wanting to do this thing in college, but also that, that moment in life that we have experienced the college, you know, going to college. So the reason yeah, that I, I hesitate on your question of, does it, it, it does it make me feel nostalgic is that uh, for me, this is totally geeky. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say a geeky thing right now. So if that bothers first you. First time on the podcast, everyone, <laughs> look out. There's going to be a geek flag flying. Nostalgia comes from the Greek word nostos, which means to return. And the, the idea of nostalgia is this desire to return home. And last night, I didn't have the desire to return to high school. It, that happens very, very, very rarely to me. <laughs> That I think, oh, I wish I could go back to high school because I really am content with the life that I have now. Right. And so to call it nostalgia, um, I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but it did conjure up memories of a past that I enjoyed. Yeah, and I I don't think of wanting to return to that <laughs> stage of life. Um, but I, it did... Similarly, because I guess I watched it, it associated with my sports endeavors in high school, it made me think about those sports endeavors and, uh, you know, the people with whom we were running and that sort of thing uh, when we were on our cross-country team in a way that, I guess I had that association with this film that I don't have with, you know, any of the other works that we've talked about. And so I don't know if you want to call it nostalgia or just a, a sense memory that, that took me back to that stage. Yeah. And I remember the positive associations with that stage. But like you said, not with the desire to, you know, de-age myself and go back. It's not like <laughs> I, I don't feel like Uncle Rico, you know. <laughs> yeah. If they could just give me but one it, more chance. But it was like, oh, you know, there was some really cool things that I experienced then that I can't experience now. Yeah. I wonder- yeah, but uh, see, and that implies like some sadness about it, and I just yeah, I don't I have don't, sadness, I don't but really but I mean, that. I'm I'm not you know competitively running <laughs> <laughs> anymore, and I enjoyed competitively running. Yeah, so I I guess maybe there's a tw- tinge of sadness because I know I was more physically fit then than I am now. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know about just sadness or just cold hard recognition that I don't have the metabolism of a teenager and I don't run for <laughs> as long as I used to. Um, <laughs> I want to pose like one final theory and then really you guys should probably like get into the film <laughs> because this stuff. has been a slightly depressing 20 minute tangent <laughs> into whether or not Rudy should be inspirational. But I think one of the maybe difficult parts is the finale is very finite and you know, the achievement is a play in college football for a player who cannot succeed in football any further. Right. Uh, It is very much the end of the line. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's, it's almost shallow compared to having a good education and having a good work ethic and having done something that was difficult and having overcome obstacles. Those are important things. Achieving the goal of playing a single play on a college football field is not necessarily 
a a great achievement that you should look on as the final inspiration. Because right, if you if you do, you end up like Todd mentioned, the Uncle Rico. Like, yeah. If all you do is look back on life, remember the time, and and <laughs> and so it, the field. it becomes very finite and very end of the line. And and I keep looking over at October Sky on Joseph's shelf, and I see that one as as a good comparison. And that one doesn't feel finite. It, that one, the success doesn't come from having gone to the science fair and having succeeded there. In that case, spoiler warning uh, for October Sky. In that case, it was studying and doing the education stuff that no one expected you to be able to do and achieving uh, more success in life than would have been expected of people from a coal mining town. I kind of hate myself right now because I feel like we're bagging on this movie. <laughs> I know. That's why I want you to get into it and, and feel some of that good, positive, Rudy vibes. But it really is. I mean, I think you bring up a really interesting point um, about how – let's see if I can spin this in a positive way. All of the, the, I mean, the greatest thing about this story is the sub, this sub-story about him doing all these amazing things in pursuit of – what to him is the ultimate goal. And I think if there is benefit to this kind of dogged, like I have to do this thing, uh, you know, the, it's the idea of, you know, shoot for the stars. If you, if it's better to shoot for the stars and land on the moon than it is to shoot for the mud and like hit your mark, you know? (laughs) And like, I kind of, I guess there's part of me that kind of wishes that Rudy had maybe just landed on the moon and not hit the star. I mean, what would this movie be like if he didn't get in on the last play and make the sack? It would be Rocky. (laughs) In what way? Going back to that. Meaning Rocky doesn't win the the title fight. It's about him being good enough to go the distance in the title fight, but he does not win the title fight in Rocky. Yeah. In and, and so it, it, that You're talking movie about the is only about what he gains in the journey. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know. It's a different story. Well, talking about the journey, Todd, let's <laughs> you spin this talk into, about I, want, I want to talk about the hero's journey with Rudy. Okay. Because I think this story, even though it's based in real life and we talked about, you know, everything we talked about back in the hero's journey podcast, I think we see a lot of those moments of the hero's journey uh, within this. Right. We I think we even posited during that during that episode, uh, you know, does the hero's journey only apply to fantasy and science fiction? Because those were all the examples that we gave. <laughs> uh, but this is a clear example of a film that is not science fiction, although maybe fantasy. Um, <laughs> based based on a true story. Based inspired, on a true story. Inspired by. <laughs> so what they'd say now. They've switched from based to inspired by. Inspired by a true story. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go through the steps. All right. So at the start of the hero's journey, we have the hero that's living in this kind of secluded, quiet life, right? And that's that's certainly what we have in this small town. Yeah, at, at best, at best, sort of boring. At worst, kind of dictatorial, or you know, reg, like overly regimented, or something. Right. It doesn't seem like he's in the greatest place in the world. And it's a, it's I mean, a we're t- factory we're ta- town. Yeah, and and the, I mean t- the two worlds that kind of get divided in some ways are the blue collar. You graduate from high school and you work in the same plant that your parents work at versus the going to college, the, the more, you know, heading towards more of the white collar lifestyle. And those, uh, some of the tension that we see is certainly from his family saying, you know what, you can have a good life just with the blue collar life. And that's going to be good enough. Yeah. So he's there and then he receives a call to adventure. 
Uh, what, what moment would you say is his greatest call to it's adventure? It's gotta be the death of Pete. Pete. It's, the, it's the funeral. Yeah, it's at the funeral where he actually decides, because there's, he's had this thing inside of him that says, you should go do this. I mean, in this version. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, you know, you should go do this other thing, but he's, he, he's never gonna do it. Like, he's saved the thousand dollars, but you don't get the sense that he's on the cusp of actually using that thousand dollars to go pay admission to go to college. Uh, but it is, yeah, with the death of Pete, he says, I've gotta go, clear this threshold i think the symbol of that is the jacket right he gives uh, him the notre dame jacket which is kind of interesting there's kind of an interesting structural thing that goes on with the hero's journey here because uh pete is actually and pete's a helper that helps lead him to the threshold so i mean you could say that the funeral is i mean this all gets kind of conflated with uh, the call to adventure, the crossing the threshold, it all happens really... Because it's right after the funeral that he gets on really the Really quickly, yeah. And he, yeah. Meet, he meets one of the threshold guardians. <laughs> yeah, crossing, <laughs> the, 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 crossing, the, crossing the threshold <laughs> is... And, and yeah, and there are a couple of thresholds, right? So one crossing of the threshold is, is leaving, leaving his, hometown. his hometown and going to South Bend. And then there's another threshold of getting into Notre Dame after, well, first he has to get in a Holy Cross, and then he has to get into Notre Dame, get good enough grades. And he has these helpers along the way, D-Bob, the, uh, uh, the tutor that helps him, Father Kavanaugh, who helps him get into Holy Cross. Um, and then the, what's his name? F- uh, Fortune is the, the groundskeeper who I'm helps checking, him. I am checking the recesses of my mind. Uh, I'm pretty sure his name is Fortune. Uh, I think I was watching it with subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> Made it stick a little more. Yes, Fortune. Yeah. Charles S. Dutton played Fortune. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so he has these these uh, guardians that or helpers that help him move along these thresholds, across these thresholds. And so what are the skills that he's gaining as he's going through this process? Because I think that, as you said, is if you're, if you're stepping back and saying, why does this story matter? It's not so much the obtaining of the final goal it is what are the skills that make him the master of both worlds yeah well i mean it's his uh, one of the biggest breakthrough moments that just never never stood out to me until last night was when he he's talking to who's he talking to maybe father Kavanaugh or somebody no he's talking to fortune and he says it turns out i have dyslexia yeah yeah <laughs> and that, that that's it, almost glossed over and that is true that is one of the true facts from his life is that he was diagnosed at the holy trinity college is that holy, cross. Holy, uh, cross. holy cross holy cross yeah he was, he was diagnosed there and they nah. give him some exercises and he's able to figure that out and that's like that's the moment that's the that's the true story here is his ability because none of this happens if he can't get the grades and the only way that he gets the grades is if he fights through uh, and overcomes this enormous challenge and anybody that has had or has dealt with people who have dyslexia know that it's it's so so hard and it's my it's um it's maddening because because nobody re- nobody realizes it. I mean, how many students do you and I have that have dyslexia and we don't know except that they just seem like terrible students and nobody's been able to help them over this. I, th- I just think it's such a critical f- f- skill that he gains the ability to read and pull good grades. Right. And one of the big mentors he has for that is Debop. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the one he says uh, Debop had him get tested? Yeah, had him go get tested. Yeah. He said Debop uh, thought I might have something. Because Debop saw how hard he was working to get pretty mediocre grades. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's a huge moment for him, and I think it's probably the most important skill that he he gains because the other skill that he needs to get onto the football team he already has, which is his heart. Yeah, there's there really is no. It seems like there's no skill that he picks up between high school and being on the football team. Um, the. Does this make sense? I mean, he yeah. works hard. He runs fast. But and he, he doesn't. Trains he, hard. he doesn't like learn a trick on the football field. Right. You know, it's learn, not some learn, new learn the swim thing. move. Right? Some new he just skill has he... to take that beating. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> right. But the the skill that he needs is to be able to get the grades in school so that he can get into Notre Dame. Once he's on that field, uh, he's doing he, the same thing he would have always been capable doing of doing. Same, right. Which is just take a beating over and over and over again and keep getting up and, and inspire. And try harder with less. Than anyone else, so he's not—he's not as good physically as anyone on the field, but he's trying harder than anyone else. And on the inspire field. the people around him. I mean, that's why the coaches so have what, him there is because he's inspiring to the other players. So why do you think, if that is one of the key moments, that it is almost passed over as something insignificant? I don't think it makes really riveting film. Yeah, to, that's what I was gonna say. Like the, to have the, the story of a student who uh, overcomes his dyslexia and able is able to pull good grades and graduate from college. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. As I was gonna say, if this was written in book form, I think you could dwell a lot more on that with some internal monologue. Uh, but on the screen, that's something that is hard to translate into a visual medium. I mean, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of other. It's like beautiful mind where you see somebody kind of struggling with mental issues and they're able to turn it into a pretty, what I think is a pretty fantastic film. Um, but, but I, I mean, I don't know, like yeah. I'm trying to think of what, what the synopsis I mean, wait, for that film looks like. Rudy is the story of a young man who has dyslexia and then his friend Depop says, I think you have dyslexia. And he learns some exercises and then gets good grades and uh, graduates from the University of Notre Dame. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, when you're doing football, I mean, so much about football is about the physicality of it. And yeah. so you get great visuals inherently, even in the training montages and everything. When you see Sean Aston going flying across the screen because yeah. he's been hit. Uh, but they do have a montage of his, his schoolwork and his efforts to uh-huh. get accepted to mm-hmm. Notre Dame. So they do have a montage similar to some of the football training montages. Right. Yeah. Um, where it's him studying, him learning, and then him checking his letters to see if he's been yeah. accepted. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and when he does get accepted, it moves me. Okay, so let's so, so, so let's say we're going around the circle of the hero's journey. So now we're getting like down to the bottom. So what what happens down at what's his death or his father atonement or his well, it's know, transformation. Death and rebirth. It, it, yeah, transformation. It's when he becomes the thing he's trying to be, right? He, he, A student at Notre Dame. Yeah. Or is it when he's on the team? Is like his ice bath, his baptism, <laughs> and he's coming out a different person. Um, I don't know because his final. I mean, obviously, the final goal is getting on the field, and he needs the helpers along the way. He needs the sage advice from Fortune. He needs Debop who helped him get into the OU. Or... <laughs> 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 Had to happen once. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he needed Debop who helped him get into Notre Dame. He needed. Um, you know, the the other players, he is the one other uh, walk-on that, you know, kind of, they commiserate together about being walk-ons. So he needed all those things, but the final triumph is that play on the field, but... I think that his, de- I think that his moment of sort of death and rebirth is when he doesn't, he, he doesn't get, make the list for the final mm, game. That's a low point. And then he quits, 
He says, I quit, I quit. It's not and worth it. And he leaves and he goes to the he goes to the field and that's where he sees Fortune and Fortune tells him that he had played. And then he says, You're five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. That's a great, uh, great scene. And I think that that's his rebirth. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that was a great, great impression. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. got a speck of athletic ability. <laughs> that is definitely his lowest point in the entire film, is uh, when he doesn't think he's going to ever get the chance to actually dress for a Notre Dame football game. Yeah, I think that, that I, I think that I would point to that as sort of his death and rebirth. Well, and he has to go through a series of people that say, no, I don't want you to quit. Like, Yeah, Fortune does it. Uh, his, his, his friend on the team the said, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I wasn't going to play this year. Uh-huh. But he says, you inspired me. And then, yeah. when he, and then he walks back on the field, and he has the respect of everyone, which, uh, until that point, you had not gotten the sense that everyone on the team actually liked him. Like, he'd been chewed out <laughs> by other members of the team. I guess I shouldn't say you don't get the sense that everyone else liked him. You get the sense that no one liked him of <laughs> of the star athletes, because they felt like he was showing them up with his heart, you know, with his effort on the practice field. Where like, they were saying, one, of the, one of the quarterbacks gets... Chews them out. Gets thrown out of practice. Right, and, yeah. And gets put on gets the reserve team. Yeah. Uh, because he argues with Rudy. He says, you know, why are you going so hard? This is just practice. And it's like the last practice of the season. And Though mm-hmm. so I guess uh, this is one of the things where the timeline gets a little wonky. Because the Georgia Tech game was not the last game of the season. It was the last home game of the season. But <laughs> I think it's treated like it was the last game sometimes. But then sometimes they also, I think Rudy says it's the last home game. Come see. So then we've got, uh, so we've got death and rebirth. Um, and then return. Or... You have potential for father atonement. I guess well, it's, the, re- it, it, the return here is. Um, I mean, he, he certainly returns home a few times. He returns home when he shows him his grades for after his first semester of college. He when he's returns accepted. home, when he's accepted, and his dad yells it out over the loudspeaker at the factory. Uh, but I think the return because I mean the movie ends with him being carried off the field. It's really him bringing his family into this other world. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's when his family comes on the bus. Yeah, it, it's his, him getting his dad. Uh, to South Bend and and his brother and yeah, his mythical brother hmm. <laughs> and Devop shows up. Yeah, and, Devop. And, everyone comes to him for this finale. Yeah, Devop is there. Fortune sees his first football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone comes there. So he kind of became uh, through his quest. He kind of became the center of this fellowship, if you will. Uh, and <laughs> he doesn't bring the boon to them, but they come to this. And this is something that. But the boon so is still given to them. Right. So particularly for his dad, which right next to his wife, his dad says something like, when he was watching the Notre Dame football film, this is the, be- the most beautiful sight yeah. his eyes I've ever seen. <laughs> I just want his wife to like, turn and smack him. <laughs> uh, so, so he's giving something to his dad because of his quest. He's getting his dad to a Notre Dame game, which he'd only ever seen on television, and he never m- missed the television games. Uh, he's getting fortune to actually come and watch a football game and kind of... I, I think that speech Come that Fortune gives past. to Rudy, Fortune's having his own breakthrough mm-hmm. about his own anger, um, which, he, like, he talks about his anger in the past tense, but it's pretty clear he was still carrying some of that anger. <laughs> <laughs> the way he spits those words out. Uh, and he allows Debop to kind of come home as a conquering hero, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what Debop did, but he comes back well, in a limo. He's and... going away to law school, but he must have gone through law school pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Debop does... Who... Debop always wanted to be the big man on campus. 
but yeah. never actually was until he comes back to see Rudy play. So in a way, with a Rudy's... girl with a girl under his arm, right. and Champagne in the limo, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> chauffeur handing him a blanket. But so, so Rudy's success has allowed these breakthroughs for everyone else around him. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's a sort of a return without a return. Yeah. But but <laughs> but then is it a return? I mean, like. Has, hey, he gone, hey, has he crossed back over the threshold? I, I wonder if the return is the coda where it says, you know, Rudy's his younger siblings all went on to college. Is that, I mean, because is that's that more, that's the boon, implied is return, like the, crossing the, back over the threshold? Or so, the implied boon that he brings back with him is this idea that you can all obtain this this kind of education. Yeah, maybe he he doesn't truly return to where he's from and bring the boon with him, but he... he People do receive the boon uh, as a result of his quest, but he yeah. he moves on. He he doesn't return to where he was. He exceeds that. He's beyond that. I haven't looked it up. But does anyone know what Rudy did like for life? Just some inspirational speaking at what? junior high schools. I, 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 I'm aware <laughs> of that part. Um, I'm sure that it's quite lucrative. I've looked it up at some point, and I can't remember what it was because okay. it it didn't add to my experience of yeah. the film. And so, yeah, I, I think that's one part of what you what you were saying earlier. Like this is kind of like the finite ending, and you're not sure how this is going to affect the rest of his life, other than he now has the college education. Which again, the coda is what is really emphasizes that, and some of the lines of dialogue emphasize that. But I think the narrative does not emphasize that he's getting the education. Like Fortune tells him that the coda talks about it, but the the story. Especially, you, you come away not thinking that this was a story about education. This was a story about Notre Dame football. Especially once he gets into Notre Dame, his education is much more important up to the point where it gets him into Notre Dame. I don't know that they show him in a lot of classes at Notre Dame. They show him in more classes at Holy Cross. Yeah. Um, I just, I just saw something that, um, that changes everything. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. no. Paradigm shift coming. People. <laughs> so I was, uh, checking in the recesses of my mind and it says in the recesses of my mind that Rudy Rudiger was one of two players in Notre Dame history to ever be carried off the field by his teammates. The other is Mark Edwards. And Mark Edwards graduated from Notre Dame in 1997. Oh, oh! so there's oh, someone wow. since Rudy. Since Rudy. And what did Mark Edwards do? That so at the time of the film, I think. That warranted the Rudy treatment. Edwards was named Ohio's Mr. Football in 1992 as a state's top player. He played college football at Notre Dame following his team's upset win over the number five ranked University of Southern California Trojans on October 21st, 1995. Edwards became the second fighting Irish player ever to be carried off the field by his teammates. The first was Daniel E. Rudy Rudiger in 1975. Edwards' senior year, he was picked as a team captain at Notre Dame. So he just beat the number five team in the country? Just only beat the Trojans. In 1990, do you think the team five like as they were doing this, someone in the back of their head is like, "This is the Rudy." I don't know. <laughs> Should we do this, guys? Well, yeah. this would have been after the film came out. So, yeah, that's so two years after they might have known. Yeah, they I'm would sure have. That, I'm sure the Notre Dame football team watched Rudy at some point <laughs> two years after its release. <laughs> yeah, maybe once, maybe at least once. So I interesting. A, I have a question for you guys. Uh, to delve more into the subject matter of this podcast. Uh, 
this what? Is, it's such a weird episode. <laughs> yeah, this, I was excited for this episode, but we've gone in a few unexpected directions. Um, so we've talked about some of the crucial moments in in the story, but really, like, what are some of the best things you see about Rudy that that at least when you were in high school uh, felt so inspirational? Like, think iconic things when right. you think about the film. <laughs> I don't think even well. I don't even think just were inspirational when I was in high school. There, it's it's not that they're not no longer inspirational because the thing that makes Rudy Rudy is his heart and this determination to to achieve this goal, yeah, and, and it, that's inspiring. It really, I mean, it really is inspiring. And he overcomes disability. He overcomes the, his lack of athletic ability. He. Uh, and and just these training montages and the studying montages where he just he just sticks with it and i i i don't know i i'm not like a wildly successful person but uh, all of the things that i've done in my life that i that i'm really proud of and there are a few of them um have all come not because i'm like way smarter or better or more charismatic than people around me, they've come because I was able to finish something that I said that I wanted to do. And I just stuck with it. And anybody that's been in grad school, for example, knows (laughs) (laughs) that like not everybody running around with a PhD or an MD or a JD, they don't get those degrees because they're way smarter than everybody else. There are lots of people that don't have advanced degrees that are way, way, way smarter (laughs) than I am. Uh, but I decided that that was something that I wanted to do and I stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it and it happened. And I'm really, um, proud of that. And, and there are other things that I'm still working on now where, uh, I can look at something like Rudy and it's not exactly the same as when I was in high school, but there is something inspiring in just seeing his determination and say, you know what, I'm just going to stick at it and, uh, and eventually it's going to happen. All right, Todd, moment of truth. What is it? that you want to accomplish that you haven't yet, that Rudy kind of helps you say, I should keep swinging that bat at this pinata and see if it cracks. <laughs> this is going to maybe sound totally hippie and like Kumbaya, but most of, most of my focus now has to do with my family and just helping my kids to, to be happy and live like great lives. And, um, the kind of like shepherding them, um, that takes a lot of effort. Like being a parent is not for wimps, <laughs> uh, and really, and especially like being a conscientious parent and really trying hard to to help your kids to learn and grow. And um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's for me right now. Wow, now I feel shallow because <laughs> my answer was published fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the in three amigos when they're like, "What are you gonna do with the reward money?" <laughs> I want to build an orphanage for. <laughs> I was gonna do that too. I also uh, I also want to raise my children well. <laughs> and then right after I uh, became write the next great American novel. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I mean there are there are other. There are other things, but for me, that's that's like that's my white whale right now. You know, I mean, this is gonna. Uh, we may have talked about this in one of the listener feedback ones, but for both of us, in a way, like actually doing this podcast is kind of having oh, yeah, absolutely a 
get carried off the field sort of moment. Cause I think both of us had thought about and even talked about with people doing a podcast, but never actually done it. Now yeah. you're 35 episodes into it. Yeah. Look at us nearing three quarters of a year of <laughs> <laughs> successful podcasting without missing a week. Yeah. And, and th- it really is, I think a perfect example of, um, like we've had some crazy times, like, being in Spain for six weeks and having to wake up at four or five in the morning and <laughs> record at midnight record with <laughs> record yeah. like tucked underneath a blanket in my room. Cause there's these paper thin walls and I don't want to wake up all the neighbors certainly in the morning. But, and, but really, I mean, we're in a position where at any point we could have started a podcast with the technology that we have access to, but yeah. it was finally just saying we're going to do the work to get this done is the only, you know, is what actually made it possible. And I think that we both have uh, greater aspirations for this podcast than we have currently achieved. Maybe yeah. only me. <laughs> well, like, I hope so, because you're going to keep doing it, right? Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Are you talking like episode 36? Are you talking, <laughs> talking larger listenership? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean doing more episodes and having a, be- a bigger uh, audience and... I mean, getting, you know, a, just getting more feedback. It. Well, I was going to say running a tighter ship when it comes to the length of the synopses. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it can get better and that this is something that we'll be doing for a while. And, and, and that desire to make it better. Remember I, when I was writing my dissertation, I, uh, I had a moment where I had probably the closest thing to like writer's block that I've ever had where I just, I didn't know what to, what to do. Um, I didn't know how to write the, like the next chapter or even, I might've been the first chapter. Um, and I wrote to a friend of mine who's a novelist in Spain and he wrote me back. I said, what do you do when you just like, you, you have no idea where to go. And he said, you, you sit down in front of a computer and you just start typing stuff. You have to be like a dog on a bone. And there's a, there's a great, um, Catalan verb that he used, which is, uh, basically like dogged. Uh, but in, in the terms of like a dog. And you just have to, and that's the, that's the, I think the most inspiring characteristic, uh, that Rudy has is that just dogged uh, ability to focus on this one thing and like come hell or high water, he's going to make it happen. And it turns out well for him. Okay. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in iTunes and leave us a review. It helps both our listenership and our feelings of self self worth. Uh, Links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. There's also uh, a list there of all of our shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod. I'm at Todd K. Mack. He's at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Our Facebook fan page is uh, facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. If you want to buy a topic for us to discuss or just support us with a financial donation, you can click the support link on our homepage or go to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. At this time of the recording, we're still looking for art. So if you have any potential art, please submit that. So long. So you just wrote a Spanish novelist when you had writer's block?
Yeah, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, I mean, he's a really, he's a really good novelist <coughs> named Jaume Cabaret, and he he had just received like the award for um, the greatest Catalan novelist. Oh. Well, and <laughs> let me sweep up the names. That just been dropped right here. So, <laughs> Did you hear that name drop? <laughs> no. So wow. 